Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Katie Smith and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Everybody and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network, a production of Baylor Athletics, just like it says in the open. John Morris, Katie Smith with us, and uh, Katie, a fun week again as David Kay joins us. David, our guest, Associate AD for External Affairs Operations is the formal title, but uh, so much goes into that. I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about, and it'll be fun with David. It will be fun. I think any time that you can get someone to put on a headset that's usually on the other side of all this stuff is just my favorite thing. And so David Kay is one of those that, you know, you never talk about David Kay. He doesn't want any credit for anything he does. And so this is just like Christmas morning for me to get to have David Kay in here. Truth be told, we had to twist your arm a little bit, David, to do this, right? Well, I just, yeah, I'm not super comfortable talking about myself. <laughs> I like, I mean, my, my career has been promoting athletes Promote, and yeah. coaches. And sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I prefer to stay in the background. But All right. Well, today you're front and center. You're in the <laughs> foreground, and uh, we appreciate you allowing us to do this. And the title, Associate AD for External Affairs Operations, people say, number one, what is that? Uh, and number two, it's a new title and a new role for you. Yeah, it's 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 a lot, I know. And, and I have people all the time go, so what do you actually do? <laughs> and the best way I can describe it is that Jovan Overshone is my direct supervisor. She's been my direct supervisor. She oversees all of external, which is it's creative services, communications, marketing, fan engagement, uh, resource development, uh, multimedia rights, all of that. There's almost 60 full-time employees in external. Wow. So this role, it's newly created, is essentially supposed to serve as a chief of staff type role mm. for external and just kind of help her manage projects. Um, lots of things coming down the pipe and just take whatever I can off of her plate. Um, she's also now the football sport administrator newly this year. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just been a lot that's been added. And so, it was, okay, we got to find a way to give her some help. And it just aligned perfectly with I was trying to get off the road Um you know, last year I, I was the SID for football and men's basketball. Um, An impossible job, by the way, for one person. Well, impossible. for one year it's feasible. Sure. But is it? Well, <laughs> I'm just not sure it is. Like, I, I thought about David Kay so regularly. Right. Concerned. Like, how do you balance the volume of both of those sports when they start crossing? I mean, this time of year last year when it starts crossing over. So truly had incredible help from the communications team. Mm. Max Calderon and Matt Roberts on football. And Matt also helped me on basketball made a huge difference. But I would also say anytime someone asks me about that, it's like so blessed to have those two head coaches to work with mm, true. because yeah. they were so understanding and so appreciative of what, whatever we were doing. And it just, it, it made it feasible. Whereas I can't imagine doing that at another power five school, just because the coaches expectations can be out of whack. Yeah. And uh, so truly it was because of the coaches and the staff members on, on communications that it was feasible. But again, like that's not what you want to do long-term. Um, yeah. It was not, 
you know, football truly is like seven days a week, but the benefit is once you get through football season, you can breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that last year, it was like, okay, well, we're right into basketball season. We're in the middle of basketball season. Yeah. And so it just, it, it was really difficult for a year, but I knew I'm only doing this a year and we'll figure it out after that. And so that's, that's how we were able to do it. And I'm so thankful the way it worked out. It just aligned perfectly that Jovan needed help. And I was able to hire uh, Brent Ingram to run mm-hmm. our communications team. I honestly like exceeded all expectations. He is phenomenal, uh, terrific leader, humble, appreciates help. Like I, I try to be very careful not to step on his toes because um, I was in that role for 13 years. And um, he's just so appreciative of anything we do and just a really, really good person. And a, it's such a terrific fit at Baylor. Yeah, that's awesome. You look at the volume of, of what you did when you were doing football and men's basketball at the same time, and then now in this new role and the, the need for this role that you're in. Talk back to – go way back with me here, mm-hmm. David, but mm-hmm. when you were media relations student intern at Baylor, right? That was yes. kind of your start of Baylor athletics. I mean, there's probably 150 things that have changed, but what's kind of like the biggest difference from, from what Baylor athletics looked like then to what it looks like now? Whew, that is, I mean, I'm sure I'll think of another answer later and yeah. be like, I should have said that. But <laughs> um, truly just the, you think of the resources that go into athletics now. And um, I mean, back in the day I got hired by Heath Nielsen as a student worker and he was running all of the social media. Like he was leading the charge of Baylor athletics being involved in social media. And the SIDs did all of it. And now, I mean, at the time, we didn't even have a graphic designer helping us. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we had Inside Baylor Sports, uh, obviously, which you led, JMO. Yeah. That was our video. Right. And now we have creative teams. And truly, like, that's an area that we are continuing to pour resources into. We need more. Um, but, I mean, you think of the football, we have four full-time creative staff members on working just football. And that's, that's a huge change yeah. because back in the day – it was the SIDs, so Heath, me, Brad Sheffield, Sean Dory, people like that. We're taking videos on our phones, which are like iPhone threes <laughs> and fours back then. All right. And those are getting shared on social media, which if you did that today, oh my gosh, you'd be ridiculed. Yeah. Like yeah. The, what is the quality of this? Yeah. But at the wow. time, you know, and so and you deal with different coaching staffs who want different different branding on social media. You know, we, we had a lot of fun you know, 10 years ago with a little more edgy, yeah. whereas now it's okay. We expect to be good. We we need to win with class and integrity. And, yeah, you know, it's, definitely. it's just, it, it's just changed. Right. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Everything, everything changes over time. Um, but I'm really, I think where we are is really awesome. Since you uh, threw it back there, Katie, let's <laughs> throw it back a little further. You're from Katie and uh, came to Baylor. Did you intend to get into this line of work, this business, when you came to Baylor? Not at all. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love was, that. I, was, uh, I started as a finance major, and it took me half, a, half of a semester. Half to a semester. Out, that was not <laughs> You could have been in the business office. I what know. a time we would have I, had. Right. I regret that I didn't. It was truly my fault. I just didn't perform very well in those classes. I was very <laughs> immature. Um so anyway, long story short, uh, there was a deployment in the middle of my, my Baylor career. And when I came back, I changed majors to PR. Um, I basically, during the deployment, I realized I liked writing. Hmm. Hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go journalism. And then when you do journalism at Baylor, you either go PR or you go news editorial. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do PR. And totally lucked into this job. I saw a friend, Haley Perkins at the time, working a basketball game. And I was like, well, I need a job. It'd be cool to work at basketball games. So I asked her, and she was like, oh, I'll connect you with my boss, which turned out to be Heath Nielsen. 
and came and talked to Heath, and he basically said, look, usually we look for freshmen, sophomores, because by the time we train them up, um, you know, you, you want to get a few years out of them. Sure. And I was a junior at the time, and he said, but I, I really respect that you're a veteran, so, you know, we'll give you a chance. And the rest, I mean, truly, the rest is history. They gave me a chance, threw me right in the fire. I worked with Larry Little, helping with baseball. And, um, yeah, so it was totally luck. Like, mm. I had no idea that what she was doing was PR-related. Yeah. And I got into this, and it was like a week into it. I was like, this would be a really cool career. How about that? I'm That's glad great. you did. You're just kind of good at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It stuck, didn't it? <laughs> it definitely stuck. And it, it's it's such a cool thing. And it's it's cool to do things like this and think back on, like, it is actually a really cool job. There's yeah. stressful times, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a good reminder at times of like, hey, the things we get to discuss. You know, I go, we do donor dinners on the road with football, and getting to talk through some experiences with them, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's good, like I said, good reminder for all of us when we are stressed out that uh, this is a pretty cool job. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, deployment, and you are a veteran. We want to talk more about that uh, with, with Veterans Day this week, November 11th. But, again, back to your current role under external affairs, you kind of touched on all those areas. It's really anything that's, that's sort of outreaching, isn't it, from yes. athletics, uh, the external area that you and Jovan yeah. sort of uh, take care of. So, essentially, it's it's what the fans see. Yeah. And yeah. so, if the fans see it, that – pretty much falls into external internal would be obviously business yeah. office the finances compliance mm. uh, facilities operations things like that so external is if you think about it if the fan sees it that falls under external which is a huge undertaking it is um in a lot of different areas and a lot of people that we need to make sure just talking on the same page and that's really something that i'm tasked with is making sure we're all communicating well um you know like i shared a text this morning with everybody of showing espn uh, plus subscriber growth from when it launched in the Big 12, Big 12 now, to where it is now. And it's like, hey, this is important for people to know. I know there's a lot of resistance to streaming, but, you know, it started at 2 million subscribers, and now it's at 24 million mm. uh, in the last three years right. since Big 12 now launched. So just, mm. you know, giving people information and, and making sure everybody understands and is on the same page. Yeah, I think back to my time as a student-athlete and what it made it so special was you just kind of show up and everything's done, right? Yeah. And when I think of, like, the people behind the scenes that make that happen, I think of you, David, and just the way that there's so much that goes into what's on Twitter, what's on Facebook, Instagram, everything. And I think fans, sometimes we, we just consume, right? We see it and we're like, oh, that's great. I know everything about the sports programs going on. Um, and there's so much work that goes into that. So I love that we have people like David Kay to do that. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it is a lot that goes into it, but, but we have a massive staff yeah. to handle it. And it's really just a matter of making sure everybody is working together. And I think at Baylor we do a, a really good job of that. I think everybody who works here is a mission fit, and it's just mm-hmm. different. You know, I've had people ask me if I want to work at another school, would I want to be an AD someday, and who knows. But but to me, working here at Baylor, I've been here 14 years now, it's, it's a passion because it's Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to love what you do, but doing it at a place that you also loved, it makes it that much sweeter. Mm. You did have to step away, go to another school. I guess your first mm-hmm. full-time job, right, at South Alabama. Yeah, I uh, I was graduating in uh, May of 2008, and I was getting married two months later, and I was applying for jobs literally everywhere. <laughs> like, just where can I get an internship for a year and get my foot in the door? And uh, South Alabama was one that 
called me actually an hour and a half before my wedding. <laughs> uh, a guy named Kevin Beasley called me and said, uh, hey, are you busy right now? And I said, well, Just I'm, a little. I'm getting married in an hour and a half, but I got time to talk. That's great. And he was like, no, 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 I'll call you back. And I was like, no, we're talking right now. Because <laughs> we want to know where we're moving. Yeah. You know, yeah. Emily, Emily at the time was working at the Waco Trib as a crime reporter, and she was willing to leave her job to go wherever I had to go. And truly, like, I mean, I applied at the Big East in Providence, Rhode Island. I applied at the Big 12 and interviewed there. And, you know, it's just truly it could be anywhere. It's like we're we're open. And uh, I didn't honestly didn't know hardly anything about South Alabama at the time. But went to work there, um, did baseball, helped with football, which was really cool because it was their first season of football. Oh, wow. They launched the program. And um, – Worked there a year as an intern. Then they made me full-time, and I feel ter- I felt terrible about it, still do, but a few months later after they made me full-time, uh, I had an opportunity to come back to Baylor. Heath had called me and said, hey, our baseball SID job's coming open, and uh, we think you'd be a good fit. So, uh, you know, didn't really didn't anticipate leading South Alabama that quickly yeah. after right, they had made right. me full-time. They really bent over backward to make that happen. Um, and we had bought a house there. I mean, we really wow. – this wow. is the 2009, like, housing crisis. Yeah. And uh, – they were doing the incentives for first-time home buyers. So right. we're like, hey, let's take advantage of that. We're planning to be here. They made me full-time. And then uh, – so before we had even, like, moved into the new house, we'd closed on it, but we hadn't moved in yet. Uh, I got the offer at Baylor, and it was like, oh, no. I got to – we bought a foreclosure. So I was, you know, repairing flooring and things like that. And I'm doing all of this knowing we're not going to live here. I just have to do it so we can sell the house. Yeah. It was a mess. Wow. How about that? So at that point, when you take that first SID position – were you thinking then, okay, I think this is a career I want. I see myself doing this long term, or was it kind of, this is a good step in the right direction. Let's see where it goes. You know, it's funny you say that because I think a lot of uh, people getting into the SID field now are like, hey, this will be where I'll start and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, that's been my experience in hiring people is, um, but I always knew, like, I, I want this to be a career. I like working in sports mm. and my, my majors in PR. And yeah, I never really felt like, I'm not going to say in the time I've been working, I've never thought about switching to another field. Sure. But I did intend to do it as a career. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. You and Emily, uh, you get the chance to come back to Baylor. She, you, together, you both jump at that. You come back to Waco, and here you are, and you're still here in <laughs> Baylor Athletics. Yeah, it's crazy to think about the everything that's happened since 2009 when I came back here. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't need to rehash everything, but it's been <laughs> – been ups and downs sure. and you've seen it all and um so yeah we came back emily continued working from home she had gotten a job at the university of mobile so she was working from home pre-covid and uh, she did that two years and then she got on at baylor mm-hmm. and now she works in advancement um she is director of advancement communications i hope i got that correct and um and i was the baseball sid and uh in year two of baseball sid i got to help more with football did three years total with baseball. Uh, the 2012 Feed the Beaver year was my oh, last Oh, great one. season. Super right, cool. right. Yeah, 24-game winning streak, yeah. ranked number one. Like, really, really cool. And then uh, summer of 2012, uh, got to move over to men's basketball. And uh, so was with them for 10 years. And then last summer, um, we were looking to hire a football SID, and we just couldn't find the right fit. And um, so that's where it was, hey, can you do this for a year? And – I had to, honestly, there was talk of would you be willing to move to football, and I had just kind of had said, "Listen, I'm, I'm ingrained with men's basketball. I have, I honestly, there's a lot to it, but I have some loyalty to Coach Drew and the program and the staff, and I don't want to leave them for football. I don't want to send them the message that 
football is more important. Yeah. And obviously everyone understands the revenue aspect of it, but it's just, there's a, there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to do that, but I'll do both for a year and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just crazy. And, and, you know, in the middle of that, when I was doing uh, football, I got an opportunity to, or when I was doing men's basketball, I got an opportunity to take over leading the communications team. So I uh, was doing that from, I guess, 2017 until we hired Brent and he took over uh, leading the communications team. So, Great. yeah, five years of that and lots of great people have come through that staff in that time. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride over 14 years now. Including a national championship yes. with men's basketball through COVID. Uh, man, the way you navigated all of that, the uh, national championship run in a bubble yeah. <laughs> was amazing. Well, I'll just tell you this. It was like an SID's dream, truly. Like like being <laughs> gone from home for five weeks was really, really hard. Sure. Yeah. Like it, it, I don't want to discount that. But we had the eighth floor of the Marriott in Kansas City. It was all Baylor. Everybody had their own room, so you could get away if you needed to. Yeah. But for doing interviews, because everything was, was virtual, mm. and so I don't have to get anyone really anywhere. I, there was one point I had like five interviews going at the same time. Just had guys in the room. You know, you go in there and make sure it looks appropriate, get them set up on the Zoom, and then you're off to the next one, setting up the next one. And it truly, like, not having to track anyone down, you knew where they were, like, it made it so much easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was hard mentally being gone for five weeks, and, you know, it's but we were – you know, Coach Drew talks all the time about, like, our guys liked each other. They wanted to be there. And the, mm. the teams that would lose, you could see they were just ready to go home. Yeah. And we didn't. It was truly, like, I didn't – I wasn't dying to leave. I wanted to stay because staying meant we were winning. Yeah. And and it was so important to that pro, to the program and the team and those guys. And it just – what an unforgettable experience. I really want to win another national championship because I feel like our fans were cheated out of it. Right. Mm. Uh, to only have 25% attendance or whatever it was – just not the same. And how cool would it be to do it this year down in Houston? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was uh, truly a one of a kind. Like, you'll never duplicate that again. Let's hope not. Um, but it was really, really cool to be a part of that. The championship, yes. The COVID part of it. Yeah. The bubble part. It was cool because they let us break the bubble after the game. Sure. Which you're yeah. sitting there going, okay, this just makes sense. We're all going home tomorrow. What's yeah. the difference? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we go over to the convention center and they had a, a ballroom open for us where we could visit with our family. So I got to hug my wife for the first mm -hmm. time in five, five weeks. And it was really cool cause I got to take her around and introduce her to a lot of the guys who she hadn't met because yeah. you know, yeah. right. we were, we were kind of keeping separate at right. that time and introducing her to players and their parents. And Davion said something that was just so cool. He introduced me to his mom and talked about how I had helped him get better at interviewing. Mm. And honestly, like, wow. I didn't even feel like I had. I just was doing what we always do. And Davion himself had kind of identified, I need to get better at this. And he never said anything to me. He just kind of worked on it. And uh, that was so cool for Emily to hear because she kind of in that moment was like, okay, you are actually helping people. Yeah. This isn't, yeah. you know, because she had really struggled in those five weeks. Our dog actually died oh, while I was so in the sorry. bubble. Oh, and, uh, you know, it was just things like that happen. And it's like, I, I literally am not there. She had to do it on her yeah. own. That yeah. was awful. Um, so it was cool for her to hear someone like Davion, one of my all-time favorite players, yeah. um, say that I actually helped him. What a compliment. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, going off of that, like in your career, when you see all these players go on to, to play professionally, to do more and more, is that kind of a sense of pride that you have a relationship with those guys? And, and like, is there a lot of growth that you've seen in their ability to interact with media and things like that? Yeah, it is cool to see when they come in as freshmen, a lot of them. Now, I mean, honestly, it's gotten better and better over the years because they're doing more and more in high school. Yeah. But That's to see, hey, they struggle, they're uncomfortable. And just like, 
you build relationships with them, you have to build a relationship first before you can really do any coaching. Because mm-hmm. if you're going in and saying, hey, you need to work on this and this, and they don't know you, they're just going, like, who are you? Yeah. Um, so that's the nice thing about traveling with the team. You build those relationships over time, and you can just give them pointers here and there, and you watch them. And, you know, it's even things as simple as, like, you know, there's a guy who I won't call him out by name, but he would just be so tense at the podium. And I'd have to work with them on, hey, just just relax. Mm. This is just a conversation. These guys aren't trying to make you look bad. Mm. Um, but it, it is really cool to see the maturity and the growth and, honestly, to see them, like, starting families. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes you feel a little old. <laughs> but it is cool to see that. I, I really enjoy that. And seeing them be successful, whether it's overseas, in the NBA, whatever, make a career out of basketball, it's really cool. And there's we have tons of guys doing that. Yeah. Preparing champions for life. There it is. That's it a great really example. Tell, tell everybody listening about your experience working that closely for that length of time with with Scott Drew and that staff. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, I'll say it's funny because a lot of people think there's no way he's really like that. And he truly is. Like, that is how he is all the time. And it's not going to say he's he, he gets frustrated, yeah. you know. Sure. But I've never met someone who is more capable of getting – you to, to do what they want you to do and, and kind of making you feel like it's your idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. he's, he's really good at, like, he's never <laughs> yelled at me or anything like that. But, like, I'm sure I've done things that have annoyed him. And, you know, you work with someone 10 years, that's going to happen. Yeah. But it never, it was always just a conversation in a way of, hey, wh- why don't we do this moving forward? And I really, uh, it's crazy to look back because I was so nervous those first first year or two working with them. And now we have the relationship where I can actually say, okay, I understand you want to do it that way, but it really makes sense for us to do it this way. And, right. he, and he, he does listen. He listens to you, yeah. Um, so it's really it's really cool. And, uh, I mean, seeing coaches like Coach Tango on and be successful at Kansas State, that'll be really cool to watch. Coach McCaslin in North Texas, you know. So you build relationships with all those staff members, and it's cool because it is truly a family over there. And they're all just such good guys. I mean mm. – I, again, I don't want to give a, a name out, but we played a scrimmage a few years ago, and I watched the head coach in a scrimmage, a private scrimmage, just cuss out his SID in front of everyone. Mm. And I literally was like, uh, I would never work yeah. in that environment. Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Yeah. And that that happens. Like, yeah. just I, it was a good reminder for me of not everyone's like Scott Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys are they're intense, and and he is super competitive but just such a good person and cares about his people. And it's things like that. You know, they say things like people don't leave jobs, they leave supervisors. And that's why I always wanted to stay with them is because he treated me so well. Mm. Well, What was the best part for you or most memorable part of the national championship run? Mm. Um, I know there were a lot of, a lot of things along the way. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, so after the game, we go see our families. It's yeah. like 2 a.m. I have to get Jared Butler and Coach Drew on, like, Good Morning America the next morning <laughs> at, five, at 5 a.m. Wow. And I'm like, I can't go to sleep right. and risk. Right, over, You know, I'm more worried about making sure they're awake. And right. that's all on Zoom, Yes, correct? it's all Zoom. I'm and just like, what if the computer stopped working? Oh, I know. I mean, it's, there's it's, so many things that could right. go wrong it's for a Good mess. Morning America. And I uh, – <laughs> I've, so anyway, we visit with our families and all that, and I've got to kill like three hours and just sitting there talking with Mac and Dawn afterward and just having this feeling of like, I can't believe we actually did it. Yeah. And Jim Nance had sent us something, so we made a little video for him and sent it to him. And we actually sat out front of the hotel at that point because they let us go outside of the lobby. And uh, I'll just never forget that of like, holy cow, that actually happened. Wow. Like, 
I'm sure there's other stories I could think of, but uh, that was it was wild to just be there and be like, that really happened. We we're the freaking national champions, yeah. and we had started working on that logo in January, and I remember thinking how cool it was and. Gosh, I hope we get to use this. Yes. <laughs> you know, but the odds are low. Like yeah. you can be the best team and your odds of winning the NCAA tournament yeah. are what? Like 10%? Like yeah. it's it's yeah. Well, and so there was a school named Gonzaga, you had to get past. Right. Yeah. And, and so it just to actually get to use it. And there's little things like we got a we got a preview when we're in the bubble after the Elite 8, they sent us a mock up of the final four ring that the NCAA provides and here's what it'll look like if you're the champion. And the champion ring was much cooler. <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, oh, I, <laughs> I want to get that. that one. <laughs> and so for those three hours from after we visit with our family until we're doing Good Morning America, it's just kind of setting in of, hey, all these things we wanted to happen actually happen. Yeah. And we're going to get these cool rings. And it's just like this will never go away. We're always going to have this national champion logo. And, you know, it's on your wall right here. I have right. it on the wall in my right. office. Like it was just so cool to think, oh, all this, all these things we did that we were afraid we weren't going to get yeah. to use are, are now getting seen. Wow. Do you feel like you, you mentioned you hope that we, we get to be there again, especially somewhere like Houston, so that the fans can experience the players. Do you feel like now that now that you've tasted right the other side of winning that national championship, is it, it, it seems like it's not this, okay, we've done it, cool, we have the signs in our offices. Like what would you say the, the energy is like now that you've experienced that, we've all experienced that, what that looks like in the future? So it'll never be the first again. Right. Like, I don't think you can ever compare it to that. Um, but I think the energy, especially if it was at a place like Houston with the fans there, you think back to, like, the 2010 Elite yes. Eight and mm -hmm. the 40,000 Baylor fans down there. Like, it would be such a different experience yeah. having fans there where you can go up and touch them and high-five mm -hmm. them. And, you know, you couldn't do any of that yeah. in the bubble. And um, I think there is such a hunger and, honestly, such a different team. You know, I mean, the first year after national championship, you obviously are going to have a little bit of, of lag of just people, you know, we did it last year. Mm. And I think that there's such turnover on rosters. We, you know, we have a few guys remaining from that team, but everybody took on bigger roles, too. Mm -hmm. And I think that really changed, too, is it's like if you're Adam Flagler, you're now a starter and you're yeah. like, hey, I, I need to show that I can do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I just think the energy is always there. And, and I think there's now the belief that mm. there's there's just no doubt. Whereas in the past, even when you believed and thought we were the best team, you had to have a little bit of doubt. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you one quick story about in the bubble that I just thought of. Where we beat Houston, we're playing Gonzaga in the championship, and we sit down to do the scout, and Coach Jacobs does it. And he made you believe. Mm. Like, he goes over the scout, and I literally got up from there, and I went up to Mac, and I said, we're winning this game. Wow. And – it was – his game plan was, like, just so perfect, and he knew them so well. Mm. And I just remember watching from my seat the first – we get out to that 9-0 run, and it was, like, literally everything he said we needed to do and that was going to happen if we did it actually happened. Wow. wow. And it was in that moment that I was like, we might actually win this game. <laughs> and, and you kept waiting for Gonzaga to go on that run, and yeah. it just never happened. Never and happened. then when they finally were getting a little close – uh, Flagler hits that dagger three on the on the kick out from Jared Butler after Vital blocked the shot. All that anyway, it was just like in that moment, you're still nervous because we're we're Baylor fans. We've been through some tough times, right? But you were just like, holy cow, we're actually going to win this, right? And uh, I just I'll never forget the feeling from watching that scout and how John Jacobs made us believe. Yeah. Whereas I think we were underdogs. I mean, every, the nation didn't necessarily think we could win that game. Gonzaga's off is just so good. Um. 
and you think back to I'm all over the place, so I apologize. No, but this is good. Great. I'm like about to get emotional. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, about you think this. back to four months earlier. We're on the bus heading to go play Gonzaga at that same in the same city. Yeah. And get called off because Gonzaga yeah. had some positive COVID tests. Ninety minutes before you're going to tip right. off yeah. that close. And all of these things had to happen for us to be in the situation. And truly, I think if we had played them in, in on December fifth, that game might have gone differently because they would have known what was coming. Yep. And yeah. they they didn't. They weren't. I don't want to say they weren't prepared, but until you actually experience how physical that defense was, there's no way to really prepare yeah. for it. And I think so that that worked to our benefit. You think of the COVID year, and I hear a lot of people say, "Okay, well, we could have won back-to-back championships." Well, maybe, but if we had won it in 1920, there's a decent chance some of those guys go ahead and go pro. Mm. And so. All of those things have to work out, and I also look back. I tell this story. We were down seven at the half to Villanova in the Sweet 16, and Davion Mitchell had been in foul trouble. It just wasn't a good half. We're at Hinkle. It's super. Mm-hmm. It's a super cool environment, but we're down, and yeah. it's like, holy cow, we could lose this game. And we just played a phenomenal second half and won easily. And I look back at that, and I'm like, 20 minutes made the difference there. Like, that second half, if we don't turn it around and we lose to Villanova, we're out in the Sweet 16 as a yeah. one seed. Then the next year we lose in the second round as a one seed. And people, people's opinions, the narrative changes, and right. people are like, oh, you know, we can't get over the hump. Well, now Scott Drew's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah. And that 20-minute that half had to happen for that to be the wow. case. that's great memory. And I just think, you know, it's, it's a good reminder for me of it's easy to overreact to things. Mm-hmm. And, you know – Things happen. You know, the the North Carolina game, like, incredible comeback. It would have been so cool to win that game. But, you know, like, North Carolina's going to a title game. Like, they were really good. Right. Um, But I'm sure some of our fans were really disappointed and felt like we underachieved because it went out in the second round. I don't necessarily buy into that. But, you know, it's it's just narrative shift and uh, it's easy to overreact in the moment. But I, I just think back to that second half and I'm like, Thank goodness yeah. we turned it around in that half. Huge. Because none of this would have happened, and the narrative around the program would have been, they haven't even been to an Elite Eight since 2012. Hmm. Now, you could also argue on the flip side, if we don't win that, maybe we play a, a little more intense in the second round last year, and maybe maybe we win that game. Possible. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it's there's hard. all this, you call it the butterfly effect or whatever, all of this could have yeah. right, could have happened. But anyway, I'm all over the place. Sorry, let's get back on track. No, it's all very good. David Kay, our guest, Associate AD for External Affairs Operations. I've had the privilege of calling games, telling stories about Baylor athletics for a long time. Storytelling is an art, and there's a network in town doing just that. Rogue Media Network has produced over 80 original podcasts, and shows ranging from comedy, true crime, business, and sports. If there's a story to tell, Rogue Media Network is telling it. You can find this podcast and all the other great Rogue Media Network shows on Spotify, on Apple, on YouTube, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. David, we mentioned this uh, this uh, Friday as we record this. November 11th is Veterans Day. Part of our timing of having you on this week is your service, and we say Thank you to you and to all of our veterans for that. Uh, overall, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I uh, I joined the Army Reserve after my freshman year at Baylor. Um, I had wanted to join after 9-11, but, you know, going off to college, you just let, let me get set, situated there. And um, so I did basic training after the freshman year. And then sophomore year, I did advanced training. 
And then toward the end of my junior year, I had two weeks left in my junior year, I get a phone call, and they're like, hey, which airport you want to fly out of? Wow. And I'm going, <laughs> That what? casual. That's how. Well, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, right. my goodness. And they're like, well, you're, you're deploying with us. Uh, we got My home record was in Katy. Wow. And they're like, you're, you're, our unit's meeting up in Mesquite, up near Dallas, and we just want to know which airport in Houston you want to fly out of to come up to Dallas to meet us, and then we're going to deploy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Am I being punked right now? Like, right. Yeah. What is it? And so, no, you got two days. And so I was like, okay, uh, I'll fly out of Intercontinental. And, uh, yeah, so I call my family, and I'm like, hey, this is happening. And I pack up as much as I can in my car, drive home to Katy, and just get my life in order. And then uh, go to Mesquite, end up there for a week or two, whatever it was. And then we go to Fort Polk in Louisiana for a few months of advanced training. And I like my brother and my mom had to come pack up my apartment in Waco. I had to withdraw from school because wow. I mean I had two days of notice. And Baylor was great; they were willing to, like let me take my finals early and everything. Huh. But I, I just didn't have time to even prepare for them. And so anyway, end up uh, going over to Kuwait for a month, Uzbekistan for a month, and then uh, ten months in Afghanistan, and then back to Kuwait for a month and back home. And got home just in time for that fall semester in '06, I guess. Wow. Um, and so th- because I had withdrawn, I really had only completed two and a half years at Baylor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and could have finished in a year and a half if I'd have pushed it. But because I was working baseball, I wanted to get a second season of experience. So I extended it. I basically did five and a- or four and a half years at Baylor of actual schooling. And, uh, yeah, so it was just crazy going over there and, and, uh, total 15 months deployed. And uh, right in the middle of, of my college experience. And uh, it was different coming back because mm-hmm. all of my friends had graduated. And, you, you know, you just looked at it a little differently, like uh, some immaturity. Yeah. I was very immature yeah. before that. And then now you're just like, is this really a problem to you? Like, <laughs> wow. I bet you know, that's right. Yeah. Um, After what you'd been through. It's just, yeah, it was tough. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, all that to say, then I finished out my contract. It was an eight-year contract and was uh, honorably discharged in 2011. Um, but yeah, I, and I probably would have stayed in had I not met my wife. Okay. Um, but that's a lot to put a family through. I have so much admiration for anyone in the military who, who can do that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's ultimately why I got out. Uh, probably would have stayed and just made a career of it if it, if I was single. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's certainly a lot. So you mentioned earlier that that's kind of during that deployment where you found your love for writing. What did Mm -hmm. that kind of look like? Was it journaling, writing letters back home or how'd you come across that? It was, uh, journaling i had a blog um that my family kept up with it wasn't like anything you know this is really pre-social media so it wasn't like anything that was promoted at all it was like hey i'm gonna write this so that my family can read it and they can share it with whoever they want to share it with and it's not i don't have to write a million letters right so it was really that and i also wrote a little bit for the baylor lariat while i was over there Hmm. and you know so anyway it was really the blogging if if we're honest it was just hey i uh it's an easy way to keep my family informed of what's going on. You know, there's not a ton you can say, but just, I think for them, it was helpful just to see it, an update from me once a week or whatever it was. Yeah. Very cool. Came back and there was never any question in your mind about coming back to school, back to Baylor? Never, never a doubt. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because uh, Baylor does a phenomenal job with it now where uh, veterans have incredible benefits at Baylor. At the time, it wasn't as good. I could have finished. I could have gone to school anywhere in Texas for free hmm. um, as a veteran. At Baylor, my GI Bill got increased, but it wasn't really. I mean, hmm. it wasn't enough to really make a huge difference. Um, but I was already so far along at Baylor, I wanted to finish at Baylor. Yeah. So um, 
No, never a doubt. It was really just a question of, am I going to get home in time for the fall semester? And anyone who's ever been through it, you have to pick your apartment, you know, months in advance. Yeah. So like my mom oh, yeah. had like to come. a year ahead. Sometimes yeah, it yeah. Feels like, like, I think it was like I think it was like March. My mom came up to Waco and shopped for an apartment for me, and Sweet. that's when she met Emily um, for the first time, and they kind of <laughs> she kind of helped her find a place. Aww. Now that's interesting. Your mom's meeting yeah. your wife to be, and you're yeah. and you're so not even here. <laughs> yeah, me, you're out me, of the country. A little bit of backstory there. <laughs> I was home in the middle of the deployment. I got to come home for two weeks. Okay. Uh, timed it to go to my brother's wedding. And also the Baylor A&M basketball game. Convenient. <laughs> and but primarily. In that order, right, yes. right. In that yeah. order, Adam. And uh, <laughs> I go, uh, Baylor professor, Dr. Burleson, asked me to come speak to her class. And so I did. And uh, afterward, I go back to her office with her. And she's like, here, you know Emily Ingram, talk to her. She hands me the phone. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and Emily goes, Dr. B wants us to go on a date. Why don't we just go get some coffee or something? Happy. <laughs> wow. And she is just so miserable. And I'm like, okay, but sure. This is going well. This I, is going I well. don't drink coffee. but And I really, no, you know, I don't say this, but I don't want to do this. Yeah. Uh, right. But we're, we're both guilted. So it's like, okay, let's just go get dinner and satisfy her. And that'll be the end of it. And so we go, we go to Hibachi because I'm like, okay, blind date. You don't want to. There's like something to do. There's something to yes. watch. It can't uh, go that bad. Yeah, like the, the, the hibachi chef is the show. You You're right. And uh, had an incredible time. We ended up uh, going over to Damon's in the Hilton at the time. Oh, yeah. Wow. And had a had a dessert there, and then called it a night. And I had asked her, "Hey, do you want to go to the A&M basketball game with me the next day?" And she was like, "Well, my mom's coming in town. I can't." And so I don't really know if that's an excuse, or <laughs> you know, who knows? Maybe she didn't have a great time. right. And uh, so, like, okay, fine. Um, I go to the game. I'm there like two hours early to get a front row ticket in the student section. And she calls me and is like, hey, my mom's running late. Would you want to go get lunch? And I was like, sure, come pick me up at Farrell. <laughs> and so we go get lunch, and I make it back at halftime. Oh, man. Now that's that's uh, dedication yeah. right there. You and knew she was worth it. That's it. So, yeah. And then uh, we talked on the phone that night until like 5 a.m. Wow. And I realize it's 5 a.m. and I'm like, I have to leave for my flight at 5:30. Wow! So wow. it's and I go back overseas and we stayed in touch uh, for the next six months. And I mean, we we wrote emails daily. I would call her. They had these uh, prepaid phones over there that you could use. Um, they were. I got a Motorola Razor at one point, which was like it nice. was it at the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you had to buy the cell phone minutes from these guys on the street. 50 cents a minute to call the United States. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> we talked for like 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening and, uh, you know, 10 bucks a day of yeah, cell phone yeah. bills. Aww. But, yeah, it was – so we just – like I said, we just stayed in touch. Never anything. It was like, hey, I don't – you know, you live your life for these next six months and we'll see what happens. And she was not interested in that. She was wanting to How about build the relationship with me. And it, it worked so well because you really get to know someone so much better that way. And you don't have all the drama of early dating. Of, yeah. You know, there's just lots that happens when you start dating someone. And, and this took a lot of that out. It was just, hey, let's just get to know each other. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, long story short, she met my mom when my mom came up there. And then she's waiting for me at Fort Polk when we landed with my family. And she's so – she tells the story and she's so – like, I, she felt so awkward Aww. because – she had just met a few of my family members sure, at that time, and right. she's like, "Why am I even here? Yeah. We've been on two dates." And uh, yeah, I mean, so 
a little over a year later, we got engaged, and a year after that, we got married. What a great the story. Rest is history. Yeah, Thank you, Dr. Exactly. Burleson. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. We have a great picture at our wedding with her. That's Aww. cool. Um, Cassie Burleson, yeah. way to go. Yeah. So de- definitely did not want to be set up on a blind date. Either one of us. Like, we both were truly dreading it. <laughs> And turned out great. Hibachi. I'm laughing yeah. so hard. I'm picturing <laughs> right. the listeners in college that are like, oh, maybe I'll do hibachi yeah. this weekend. Shout <laughs> out to Damon's, too. <laughs> Damon's yeah. long gone. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I had just bought an 05 Mustang because like any military guy, you make some cash and you're like, yeah, i got to buy a new car. Yeah. <laughs> and I pull up to pick her up and she's like, well, this isn't going to work because um, she has an 05 Mustang. Oh, really? Oh, my and goodness. So, <laughs> um, I made her in our engagement pictures take a picture with the cars, and she was so like, "I don't want to do this. You know, this is stupid." And I was like, "No, it'll be a funny one. You know, twenty years from now." Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, it's just wild how that all worked out. But God's timing is perfect. That's a great story. And you and Emily have uh, fostered some kids through the years. Uh, I know you're a big believer in that process. Yeah, so we tried to have kids of our own, and it just never worked out. And we felt very called to uh, foster care. Um, and adoption. And so we did what's called foster to adopt, which is you're basically hoping to adopt, but, but truly tried to look at it as that's a secondary hope. The first hope is that they get reunited with their parents. You never, we wouldn't want our family to be started because another family got broken up. Yeah. And so 2014, uh, we go through all the training and we get a call. Hey, do you want to take these two boys? And we, we felt passionate about taking a sibling group. A good friend of mine, um, who actually was a student worker here at Baylor, Mark Jezik had been adopted with his brother. And just my sister had t- told me stories. She's a PA at MD Anderson. Anyway, long story short, we felt passionate about a sibling group. I'm going really long. Um, and they call us and say, hey, we have two brothers. One's three and a half and one's five months. Would you be interested? And we're like, okay, this is it. We're taking them. Yeah. And uh, Jaden and Jordan showed up at our house like two hours later. Wow. And immediately had the, we had this feeling of these boys are not going to be staying with us. Mm. Like you could just tell – Jaden was raised well. Mm. And um, anyway, that process dragged on for a year. They were with us for a year. Wow. And they got reunited with their parents after that. Um, and it was just a ridiculous process. It shouldn't have taken that long. The parents did everything they needed to do. It was They should have gone back at like six months. But the system can be difficult. Mm. So uh, had them for a year. We got to maintain a relationship with them. We still uh, get occasional updates on them. They live out of state now. But uh, super cool to watch them grow up from afar. Then we had um, a baby named Compton for a couple months, and uh, he got reunited. His mother had grown up in foster care, wow. and her foster parents wanted to take him. So they're considered oh, they call wow. it they call it fictive kin, huh. and so they Never basically had first rights to okay. him. And we were fully supportive of that. Yeah. So broke our hearts, but uh, he went to them, and everything. I, under- I we had lost touch, but I hope doing great. Yeah. And then the last one uh, was named Hayes, and uh, he's we had him for four or five months, and we really thought that was going to be it. Um, and the the age actually called us and said, "We know you're struggling right now, but we want we think this kid's coming to adoption. We think he's perfect yeah. for you." And so we struggled and struggled, and we ultimately said, "Yes, we'll take him." And he'd already been in foster care for a year, and uh, came to us. Oh my gosh, we love that kid. Um, and then it, things just changed, and his parents uh, started – they were on the right track, and the judge said, hey, if they continue on the right track, you can go back to his parents. And, hey, we, we support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is this is what we said we, we believe all along. And uh, fortunately, he did get reunited with his parents, and they're doing great, and we stay in touch with them. Mm. Wow. Um, 
but yeah, so it, you know, your plans don't really matter. Like we, we made plans. We thought we were going to do foster to adopt. Um, we ended up just doing foster and who knows what the future holds, but, uh, it was really cool. And you feel like you have four kids yeah. kind of spread out all over the world now. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I hope someday we get to reunite with them. Yeah. But that would be fun. Yeah, that's cool. All right, Katie, uh, a conversation with David Kay cannot end without at least a mention of one-man Wolfpack. <laughs> the one-man Wolfpack. City League softball team, David's right in the middle of it, has been the manager of the team, uh, star pitcher, injured right now, injured in a couple of <laughs> yeah. couple of ways, one from softball, one not from softball. Yeah. But just uh, a quick yeah. uh, uh, shout-out. To our audience about One Man Wolfpack. One Man Wolfpack started in 2010, the official D-League softball team of Baylor Athletics. <laughs> That's right. Um, 12 years. Wow. I, I knew yeah. it had some history. I did not know it went back to 2010. Winning pedigree also. Nine-time champions. Nine-time champions. Yeah, well, close, me. close to winning our 10th this year. We've got, <laughs> we got next week to decide that. Um, but, yeah, it, it started as a ba- group of Baylor Athletics guys. Who, hey, let's go play City League softball. And it's morphed, and it's, you know, now there's only – uh, I, I'm the only one actually from the original team still around. Huh. Um, but yeah, just a fun thing. You know, like we like to be, it's, it's fun to have something to be competitive in. Yeah. And we try to not take ourselves too seriously, but at the end of the day, you're still playing a game and you want to win. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we get out there, we play on Monday nights at Riverbend Park. The city does a great job running those games. And, uh, yeah, I, I took a, I was actually moved to second base, uh, a few, maybe a month ago and I took a sharp grounder took a bad hop off my knee so that's the softball injury injury. and i actually have a broken finger now from a different (laughs) unrelated to softball right i have a broken finger so i'm out for the year so who's on second base right now um you know that changes week to week no no who's on first who's on first (laughs) but (laughs) i'm on second you're irreplaceable (laughs) david um but no i i'm usually the pitcher my brother's the catcher which is funny we recreated a little league photo that's pretty cool um but yeah, that's fun. One man wolf pack going strong. We're going proud strong. of uh, proud of the success. We really are of one man wolf pack. Check, check us out on Twitter <laughs> at Waco One Man Wolf Pack. Very good, David. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for sharing, and uh, we do uh, figuratively salute you on Veterans Day. Appreciate your service and and the service of all the veterans that are out there. And the game this Saturday is Salute to Heroes Day, so yeah. that'll be fun. David, we appreciate you being with us. Thanks for having me. Have you been looking for a new podcast to listen to? Are you interested in true crime, funny one-star reviews, or inspiring stories? What about the history of Waco or the famous people who have lived and worked here? All these and more are produced by Rogue Media Network. There are over 80 different shows, including this one, with more coming all the time. If there's a story to tell, Rogue Media Network is telling it. Watch on YouTube or listen now wherever you get your podcasts or watch on YouTube. That's our Sikkim podcast for this week, powered by Rogue Media Network. We appreciate you being with us. For Katie Smith, for David Kay, I'm John Morris. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Sikkim podcast. You've been listening to the Sikkim podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network. The Sikkim podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Baylor Athletics.